If you open your Bibles, if you have them, to the Gospel of John, the 17th chapter, this is eternal life. This is eternal life. That's the title of the message today. This is eternal life. Let's start in verse 1. Jesus spoke these things and lifted up his eyes to heaven. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, it says in verse 3, that they may know you, that they may know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Let's stop here just a little bit. When he says this is eternal life, this is the eternal life that I've been telling you about, this is living eternally, that you may know the Father. What does it mean? What does it mean to know the Father? Know him, to know him. Does it mean that I have an acquaintance with him? What does it mean? To know him, does it mean the same as it is for him to know us? What does it mean? Now, in the classic Greek, to know someone basically tells us that we have a personal relationship with that person. It's not just a, a, a mental, um, intellectual knowledge of somebody. It is a personal relationship with someone. If you say that you know me, but you really I don't, I don't even know you. I don't I mean, I haven't seen you. You know, we don't talk. You might know who I am, but do you really know me? Or do I really know you? And so when we know the Lord, when we know the Father, we have an intimate relationship with him, a personal relationship with him. And I want to encourage all of us to, to go beyond just an intellectual knowledge, just uh, uh, reading about him. Because you can read about uh, many people in history. Many people. Remember we were talking about um, the Wesleys. We were talking about Susanna Wesley. We can read about her, but I don't know her. I don't know her. I can read all everything about her, but I still won't really know her until we had a personal relationship. If I was back in that time and I had a personal relationship, I said, I know, I know her. I know her. That's what, it, what, that's what God wants with us, for us to know him. The only true God, there's, there, there are many people who say that there are gods, small g, in scripture. But there's only one true capital G God. Only one. And he's a true God. He's a true God. The rest of them are false gods. Anything that we hold higher than, than, than Jesus Christ, that's not true God. That's really not true God. 
I don't care whether it's a person. I don't care whether it's our occupation. I don't care whether I don't care what it is. It is not the truth. You 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 um on sinking sand. And that's what um one of the words of the song. He's our rock. And so when we own a rock, we own stability. He's a nail in a sure place. And it says to Jesus and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. And it's not really saying that, you know, you need to know this one, then you need to know this person. They are one. They are one. When you know Jesus, of course, you know the Father because Jesus is going to reveal the Father to us. Then it goes down a little further. Let's look at verse 6. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and, I, and they have kept your word. I have manifested your name, your name, to the men. Now, what does that mean? If you manifest something to someone, you're going to make it apparent. You're going to show them openly. You see, Jesus is saying, I have made apparent your name to the men who you have given me. Now, if you manifest the name of a person, does it reveal anything about that person? I believe it does. Look in verse 25. It says, O glorious Father, although the world has not known you, Yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. Hmm. The world has not known you, yet I have known you. See, the world can't know the Father. But we know the Father because Jesus Christ reveals the Father to us. And I have made your name, it says, known to them. And we'll make it known so that the love which you love me may be in them and I in them. I will make your name known to them. Well, I want to know his name. That's what I want to know. Because the name is very important, isn't it? Especially in this culture that we read about in the Middle East culture here. A name meant a lot, didn't it? You, we can think of a, a name like um, Abram. Abram meant high father. But God changed it and called him Abraham. Father of multitude, father of nations. God changed his name because what God wanted to do is every time he heard his name, he would think of what he had already called forth for him. Because faith comes from Hearing and hearing by the word of God. So God told Abram, hey, come outside your tent, look at the stars. Can you number them? You're not going to be able to number your descendants. But he was not with child, right? He was old, right? He was old. So what's going to make him think that this is going to happen when God changes your name? You start, he, you start speaking those things that be not as though they were. 
when God speaks them, they come to pass, don't they? Yeah. So God wants us to speak his word because even though the word might not be now, it will be if God said it. His word not going to return void. It's going to prosper into the place where he sent it. Just like the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, right? And it doesn't return until it does what God has sent it to do. The water, earth, make it a bud so we can have food. A name. A name. How about Sarai? Did he change her name? From princess to Sarah means like chieftainess. It's, it's, it has in it, uh, Sarah means to rule. It has in it ruling. Because she had to be right with Abraham. If he's going to be a father of many nations, she's going to have to be right there with him. So she changed his name. Many names changed. How about Jacob? His name meant something, didn't it? Supplanter, that he changed his name. So names mean a lot. What does God's name mean? What does his name mean? Let's turn to Exodus. God chose to reveal himself by his name to his people. In chapter 3, verse 13 through 15, Moses had gone up to the mountain and he saw the, the bush, of course, burning. And he had started talking to God. And now this is a dialogue that says, Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel. And I shall say to them, the God of your fathers have sent me. Now, he asks a question. Now, they may say to me, what is his name? What am I going to say to them? What am I going to say? They ask me that question. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. <laughs> whoa, whoa. I am. He didn't say I was, did he? He didn't say I will be. He said, I am. I am. What do you have need of? He is I am. It talks about eternity, doesn't it? I am. Because I am is a, is a present tense. That means that he doesn't have a beginning if it's I am. He doesn't have an end if it's I am. He's just eternal. Doesn't have a beginning, doesn't have an end. I am. Also, he speaks of provision 
for whatever the people need, I am. I am. Whatever the people need to be done, Moses said, you know, I'm going to take them out of this bondage. They've been in bondage all these years. They don't know anything but bondage. How am I going to do this? Who am I going to say send him? I am. You going to do this thing? You, you can overpower Pharaoh? I am. Now, we use that sometimes, that word, I am who I am. Someone said, well, who, who are you? Who do you think you are? I am who I am. But we have to put something on it. God didn't put anything on it. We have to put on it, on it by the grace of God, I am who I am. I can't be anybody else. You know, you might want me to be somebody else, but I can't be anybody else. I may want you to be somebody else, but you can't be anybody else. You are who you are. But it's by the grace of God. We are where we are by the grace of God. Is that correct? We are upright and above ground because of the grace of God. We are. That's the grace of God. But he can say, I am who I am, and he doesn't have to put nothing on it. He doesn't have to put by the grace of nobody. He all he has to say, I am who I am. That's encouraging, isn't it? Obviously, you have been sent. If I would have read most of uh, the prayer that Jesus was praying in John 17, we know that we are sent because he is sent. We've been commissioned because he's been commissioned. He said, as I've been sent in the world, so I send them into the world. Well, who sent you into the world? By what authority are you going to speak upon and about this person? How are you going to witness for him? How are you going to tell people about him? Who gave you authority to start speaking about Jesus Christ? Who sent you? Isn't the Moses, that's what Moses answered. Answer, and she said, well, who am I going to say sent me? I am sent me. Wow. That's cool. We don't say that, though, do we? We just say Jesus sent, sent me to I believe that Jesus sent me to tell you this right here or whatever, you know. Tell them sometime, I am sent me to talk to you. I am? Who is that? Ha <laughs> ha, wow. <laughs> that would be good. That would be really good. God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, now he used another name, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, Yahweh. And this is my memorial name to all generations. So he's given him his names, his names. Ooh, boy, that, that's really, really nice. Now, we're going to look at Exodus chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8, some from each chapter maybe, 
and we're going to see what kind of lessons we can glean from these about these names. You remember last week we started talking about names. You remember the, the youth? The youth were, um, the name of the song they were uh, dramatizing was, I Am. Now the LM, uh, the young man, uh, Lockridge, when he was, did his thing there, powerful, is on who God was. Well, let's continue with this because the names of God are very important. And what does those things mean? Let's watch now as we and look and read as some of these things come to play. What's one of the lessons we can glean out of chapter 5 here? Let's read it here. And afterwards, Moses, this is verse 1, chapter 5, Exodus, and Aaron, they came and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go, that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? Everybody want to know who the Lord is? That I should obey his voice. Who do, who do you think you're talking to? I'm Pharaoh. And see, he thought he was sovereign. He says that, who is this God of the these Hebrews that you're talking about. Why should I let the people go? Why should I let them go do anything? Who is this man that I'm going to obey him? Who is this God? Who is he? I do not know the Lord, he says. And besides, I would not let Israel go. When you don't know someone, when you don't have an intimate relationship with someone, a personal relationship with someone, you tend not to respect the person like you should when it comes to serious things. Like they are being used mightily to build all what he wants to build, slave labor. Doesn't have to pay them, just slaves. Drive them, whip them, do anything he wants to do to them. And he's been doing this for all his life. He knew above, and all the lives of the ones that were before him. He said, "Well, why should I let these people? Are you crazy? This is this is free labor. You know, I'm not letting nobody go. But if he knew God, he would say, "Whoa, when do you want to go? Yeah. How long are you going to stay?" He would have been asking different questions. And it's sometimes the way we are when we don't have an um, intimate relationship with somebody and someone asks us a hard question and, and that person asking us to do something that we don't want to do and we don't have an intimate relationship with them, we, we, we kind of disrespect them. Sometimes we do that with people we do know, don't we? Yeah. So you know we're not going to do it with people who we don't know. Tend, people tend not to respect them. That's one lesson we can learn is that if you don't have a personal relationship with God, if you don't know God, when it comes to hard things that you don't want to do, you're probably not going to do it. Because you don't know God. 
You don't know who he is. You don't really know him that he is. That everything that you have need of, he is. And so why in the world are you going to hold on or I'm going to hold on to that which is not? Because anything that we have a desire for is not. (laughs) Basically. If God says, "Uh, I want you to do this, I don't want you to do this over here. And I I want to do that which he said don't do. I said, no, I want to do this right here. That what I want to do is really not, it's not the truth. It's not going to help me. It's not going to prosper me. It's not going to cause me to be successful. So I want to know really who he is so that when it comes at hard times, then I'm going to yield to him. Do you know that a knowledge of God, when it speaks of knowledge of God now, With that knowledge, automatically, in the New Testament, automatically comes obedience. That comes in in knowledge of God. Within that word is obedience to God. That's true. Now, it doesn't come with knowledge of a person, but with God, it does come with that. That's what it means. You have a personal relationship with a person to such a degree that you know who they are and it leads right into obedience to that person because that person is God. He's our creator because we know him. We know his name. What is his name? He's God, the creator. Elohim, that's who he is. Another lesson we can learn is that You probably don't want to know this lesson. But this lesson is that when God is going to bless you tremendously, and we can all raise our hand. You probably wouldn't now because you know something's going to come with that. If I say, how many of you want to be blessed? All of us want to raise our hands, see? Okay? But you know that I'm getting ready to teach you something that you say, I'm not going to raise my hand. See, I'm not going to raise my hand. Let's read it, and then I'm going to tell you what it is. So, in verse 6, the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters (laughs) over the people and their foremen, saying, you are no longer to give the people straw to make bricks as previously. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the quota of bricks which they were making previously, you shall impose on them. You are not to reduce any of it because they are lazy. Therefore, they cry out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let the labor be heavier on the men and let them work at it that they may pay no attention to false words. Now, that's interesting. They were already getting beat. And here, now they are required to go get their own straw, come back, and still make the same quarter of bricks. 
And that's really, really hard and terrible. Now, Moses already told them, God sent me. I am sent me. And he says he's going he's to take you out into a promised land. I'm going to lead you out. Pharaoh's going to let you go. And the next thing they hear is they have to make the same number of bricks. And they had to go get their straw. That means they're going, they already feel it. They, they going, they, it's not going to be good. That's not going to be good news because we're going to really get tortured. Why, Moses, did you send me? Send, why did you come here to be sent and tell me this stuff? Why are you causing this hardship on us? You should have stayed where you were. We were better off. Anytime God's going to do something great, nine times out of ten, in your life now, nine times out of ten, something not so good is going to be challenging you. You're going to get a challenge to believe God, and the circumstances are going to be opposite. You believe in God. And he's going to see whether you're going to obey him or not. Anytime you're doing what God has called you to do, you know, you're not going out stealing and you know, robbing people and killing people. You're not doing all that crazy stuff. You know, you're trying the best you can to uh, serve God. And something terrible happens to you. I mean, this is, this, is, this is not too good. You know, you believe in God. You're doing what Elder Sam said. You know, you're just believing God, and you're just uh, believing that this thing will come to you, reading the scripture, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, you've got your scripture quotation cards, you know. And all of a sudden, everything that you've been saying, the opposite come to pass. You might as well start shouting for joy. You might as well. The scripture was called another something. It would say, like in James, count it all joy when you fall into various trials because the trying of your faith works perseverance. That's right. Patience, that means perseverance. Right? That's what the word says now. But what what I'm trying to tell you is that when these circumstances come that's opposite what you're believing for, it's okay. It's just trying your faith. You're trusting God. That's all it's doing. Are you going to stay with what you are saying? Are you going to change your confession? Man, when it rains, it pours. Yeah. I know I shouldn't have come to that church discipleship church. I was doing much better when I was, wasn't even going to church. Now that I'm being discipled and trying to follow the Lord, all flames break loose. <laughs> Isn't that what happened to the, to the Hebrews? Isn't that what's happening to Israel? But see, we know that the end of the story, they don't. We know that God did take them out. We know that God had a purpose for what he was doing, though. They didn't know that. 
And if they knew what we knew, if they had a DVD, they could have watched it, <laughs> fast forward as they jumped to another scene and said, oh, okay, this is going to be okay. They didn't have that. They didn't have that. So only thing they could do is believe their circumstances. Isn't that what we do sometimes? Believe our circumstances. What we see, we believe. Don't believe what you see, because what you see is subject to change. Keep your confession of faith. Don't get weary in well-doing. Oh, that's a, that word is for somebody besides me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Do you know that it's true in all, our, in our, all of our lives? And just because he showed himself strong one time in your life, we still don't get a picture like we should. He's built a track record in all our lives of success. He's never failed. But sometimes we forget those things because those things were um, smaller things. Smaller things. How is he going to do this? You remember the Old Testament, basically what he said in, in 1 Corinthians 10, he said that these things were examples for you not to fall in the same you know, situation that they fell into in the wilderness. Right? So when we, read, when we read the Old Testament like we're reading now, they're just examples for us not to fall into the same sin they fell into because they were in unbelief. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. Whoa, boy. Let's go to a, another one. Moses needed to be reminded of God's names. We need to be reminded of God's names. When these situations come, and believe me, they'll hear in some of our lives now. They're here. Situations are here in some of our lives. You just don't know it. But they're here. Because it seems normal to you. It's not normal Christianity. It's not normal Christianity for God's people to fail. Do you hear what I'm saying now? As finality. Though we fall, we're not going to stay down, are we? He's going to lift us up, isn't he? Every time. We've been there. Falling is not failure. Okay? And as some people say, failure is not final. See, I don't even believe that I'm going to fail, period. Am I going to make mistakes? Absolutely. Am I going to have setbacks? Absolutely. Am I going to go through trials? Absolutely. Am I going to go through various trials? Absolutely. <laughs> is, it going to be, is it going to be tough on me? Absolutely. Is it going to be things I don't want to happen? Absolutely. But it's not failure to me. It's not failure to me. 
Because I'm in Christ. You're in Christ. There is no failure in Christ. There's only victory. Only victory. Okay? So that's why we can rejoice when, when we have various trials. That's why they should rejoice. He told them his, the names. And listen to what he said in verse uh, 1 of six, chapter 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. Why did he have to say that? Did Moses know his names? See, when they, in, let's go back up to verse 20 of chapter 5. It says, when they left Pharaoh's presence, they met Moses and Aaron, and as they were waiting for them, they said to them, may the Lord look upon you and judge you, for you have made us odious in Pharaoh's sight and in the sight of his servants and uh, to put the sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought harm to this people? Why did you ever send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, your name, he has done harm to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. My goodness gracious, didn't he know his name? Didn't he know I am sent you, Moses? Didn't you know that? And Moses is a great man of God now. Does that, does that happen to us sometimes? That's why in verse 1 it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I would do to Pharaoh, for under compulsion he shall let them go, and under compulsion he shall drive them out of his land. Now Moses jumped up and said, Woo, yo, yo, I like that. But he's not through. First of all, he has to reveal some names to him. God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. And I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. The all-powerful one. Almighty one. There's nothing I could do. And I appeared to them with that. But by my name, whew, my goodness gracious, Yahweh did I make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land which they sojourned. Furthermore, I have heard the groaning of the sons of Israel because the Egyptians are holding them in bondage and I have remembered my covenant. When God, when you know God's covenant name, covenant for God is it's forever. This is it. I don't care that, that you didn't believe me ten times and I sent you into bondage. I don't care because everybody 20 years and, and, and above died, uh, is going to die. I, I don't care about it. You are my people, and therefore, I'm going to bring you out. I don't care how many times I send you in the bondage. I don't care how, what you do. I don't care, but see, I'm gonna, you're going to pay for it now. You're going to pay for it. There are consequences. Do you understand that? There are consequences for disobedience, but I'm going to bring you out because I have a covenant with you. 
But he, see, he told, he told Abraham that long time ago that people were going into bondage before they even went into bondage. He told them what's going to happen. He told them how he's going to bring them out, and they're going to be wealthy when they come out. They're going to spoil Egypt. They told them all that. See, this is, this is way before that. So he should have already known that because, it's, you know, that's, that's the word of God. We need to know that. We're in covenant with the great I am. And he's a covenant-keeping God. He's not like us. Break covenants. He never breaks a covenant. Do you realize that the Jews are going to be saved? He's going to visit them. They're going to be drafted back in. Do you understand that? They're his. They're his. But praise God that their eyes were blinded for a time for us to come in. That's his mercy. So I, I feel so excited about the names of God. The names of God. And so he tells Moses here that you're going to see this. Now you shall see what I would do to Pharaoh. But do you know, do you know that this was not the end of him coming to Pharaoh and, and Pharaoh not letting him go? You know that. Moses jumped up and down. He said, whoopee, I'm glad it's over with God. Thank you, Jesus. Whew, my goodness gracious, man. I'll tell you what. Man, I'm glad you're going to sow yourself strong now. So he go back to, hey, God said now you're going to see him work. And what he's going to do to Pharaoh? Come on. You got to know God. God has a timing. He has a timing. If he says you're coming out, you're coming out. When he says now... Now might not be now. <laughs> Do you understand? One day is like a thousand to the Lord, a thousand like one day. So you're coming out now. You're going to get through your situation, whatever it is. You're getting through that situation. But it might not be right when we want to. God is always on time, isn't he? He's never late, is he? Is that the case like it was with Moses and the children? This is just the beginning, isn't it? Now, some other stuff got to happen before those children come out, isn't it? Yeah, some other stuff got to happen. So what you're going through now, and we're, we're going to close. Uh, we'll continue next, next week uh, because I have some, some more names, good names for Mother's Day. Oh, this is going to be good. But uh, this, this is what, 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 what I want you to know. Whatever you're going through, Am I talking on to myself? Okay. All right. Know that it's darkest before the dawn, usually. I mean, when, when you're going through something, it seems like it stays night. But let me tell you, when night falls, every minute after then is getting lighter. Okay? I mean, it, 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 you got to know that. In your circumstance, in your situation, it's getting better. It's getting better. There's an end to this thing. And you may think, oh, I'm ne this is never going to happen. I'm getting too old. Da, 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 da. God used Moses after 40 years in Egypt, and he thought he was ready. After 40 years on the backside of the desert, then he started using him. <laughs> 
to what he had called him for. You know all the stories. You can hear the great prophetic word, have the great visions, have the great dreams, like Joseph, and jump up and down. Oh, yes. Look at me and my sheaves. Look at your sheaves. Did it come true? It came true. Those dreams came true. The vision that God has given you, the prophetic word that God has given you, it's going to come to pass. If God said it, it's going to come to pass. Believe me. It's just a matter of time. The time between the prophetic word or the vision that God gives you or the word he gives you because he gave me a word from the word. And he gave me prophetic words too. Then, right here, that's where, where, where it happened, right there. But I'm just right here, one little step. I said, when, oh, Lord? When is it going to come to pass? Have you ever said that before? I thought you said, Lord. But see, coming to pass is way over here. The distance between the two is preparation. Joseph had to be prepared to rule. Be prepared to show mercy to those who did him wrong. Do you understand if it come to pass too fast, he might would have annihilated his brothers. He would have known God's names like I am going to take part, you know, Jehovah Jireh, I'm your provider even if you are in jail. I am your provider, I'll make you rule in jail. Come on. I'm going to bring you out of that. It's just a matter of time. Oh, God, stand to your feet. When I got this word, I said, oh, God, thank you, Jesus. All of us us are going through some things. Going through some things. Oh, we can smile. We can say, okay, he must have some good stuff for me. Wow. We can start being positive. We might as well start being positive. Reminds me of a story that about one kid was always positive. And they said, well, we're going to see whether he's going to be positive. Because he wanted a, a horse. And um, so what they said, well, we're going we're gonna to find out how positive he is. They put a whole bunch of manure in a room. A whole bunch of manure. And put him in a room with a glass window. And they, they, they closed him up in the room and uh, looked in the window to see how he would respond. Because he wanted a horse. He thought he was going in the room to see his horse. He didn't see anything but manure. But he rejoiced. He thought, you know, the whole pile, I mean, big pile, he thought just moving all that manure around, just moving around, just, just jumping up and joy. Woo, yay! 
And they said, what is wrong with this boy? You know? We knew he was positive, but nobody can be positive like that. And then they brought him out. They said, why were you doing that? He said, with all this manure, there must be two horses in there. You know? We can think positive, can't we, about our circumstance. You see? The, the bigger the manure in your life, in your circumstances, <laughs> you know that God, God has something good for you. Okay? He has something good for you. Okay? Praise God.